Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the 33 Podcast. My name is Warren Pohl. I'm one of the co-founders at 33. And today on the show, I've got with me Connor Devine. Um, Connor's from Belfast. He's an Ironman triathlete. But what makes his story so remarkable is that Connor became an Ironman triathlete many years after being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, Before this, he'd had a very active life, both in business and in sport, playing football at a very uh, serious level. Um, But this all changed approximately 12 years ago when the uh, multiple sclerosis diagnosis came in and pretty much took him out. Um, It was Connor's journey to rebuilding himself from there that we really go into here today. And the tools that he's used, um, the outlook the uh, mental resilience, all of the things that he has developed that have brought him through this, that have managed to make Connor a real outlier in his uh, where he's at physically and mentally for someone who's been with multiple sclerosis for over a decade. Um, on the averages, the guy should be in a wheelchair and he is anything but, as you will see. Um, so it's really, really going deep into Connor's toolbox of high-performance for life, for sport, and for performance. It's a fascinating conversation. It was such a pleasure catching up with him. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So uh, let's get on with it. Here you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Connor Devine. I haven't spoken to you for a while. I feel like I have because I keep seeing you around on uh, social and everywhere else. But it looks like things are busy and full on, but uh, impressive as ever. Oh, I don't know, Matt. I'm 40. I'm 41. How old are you? 45. Right, so I don't know. I feel I'm, I feel as if I'm I'm in the middle of lots of things at the moment. Uh, I've I've a settled home with my two wee ones. We get that's all working well. Six and eight, and they're yeah. growing up fast. That's really good fun. And then my business is really challenging, but we're in the middle of lots of really interesting stuff like finance, funding, real estate, renewable energy. Uh, equity deals, fuck's sake! If I if I do a, th- a a third of any of the stuff I'm working on at the moment, my plan is to exit in three years, right? And then get out and building a, a big health business. That's really where I want to what I want to do over the next twenty thirty years is to build a, a health platform and, and tell stories. Really, so I'm just I just I feel you know the way you hear people who are maybe fifty or sixty and. They say they enjoyed the process of getting to where they are now. I, I'm not enjoying it that much because it's fucking hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just relentless, but um, my health's really, really good. So that, that that's the most important thing for me. And if I've got my health, then I can do anything. That's just the way I feel. Yeah. So I'm going to... Uh... I'm just making a quick note on my notes here because you, you've touched on something there. We can... We can go into it or, or skip over. You know, if if, if anything's, feel free to um, keep questions short, like moving on. If it's stuff you want to go deeper on, we'll go deeper. I mean, we you know we know each other well enough to take a, our own route through this. But the um, you talk about you know you're meant to love the process, and everyone says you love the process, and everyone gets to the top of the mountain and looks back and goes, oh man, I missed the process. There are days I fucking hate the process, right? <laughs> No, no. You hear Gary, people like Gary Vee and stuff who have went off completely, but he, he talks about this process of, of doing the work, doing the work, doing the work, and that's the most enjoyable part of it. But it, it's it's probably 
is whenever you look back, but when you're actually in the middle of everything, it's it's not overly enjoyable. <laughs> there, there are some really horrible bits in there. And I mean, I think that is part of it. We're, we went through a really hard few months leading into Christmas. We had a lot of growth over the summer, but then the growth didn't translate into rolling through into the back end of the year. Yeah. So it was almost like everything we'd done, like we're really on liftoff here. Shit, what happened? Right, and yeah. sometimes random, you can't work it out. Anyway, loads of stuff's come back from that. It forced us to do things we wouldn't have done otherwise. That's why we brought new products out. You know, and we're like, okay, let's let's roll roll something different. Yeah. Anyway, I'm back into a point of really, as of today, actually, we're we're really close to break even, which is a massive milestone, and that that feels good. And I'm looking back, but I'm not looking back and thinking I really loved November. November was as hard as it's ever been. And just psychologically getting up to do the work every day, you've got to show up. But I hated a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, look, it's, it's the same old cliche stuff, but I bumped into a guy in Belfast the other day. I've been following him for a while, Pat Feeling, you call him. And he's, he, he exited his third business two years ago for $55 million. Hmm. Uh, um, I asked them, I, I like asking people's ages because it, it's, I can then relate to where they are now and where I am and stuff. And I says, what were you doing when you were 41? He says, I was in Cubic Telecom, I had no money, it was a fucking nightmare. You know, I didn't get out of that till I was 45, 46, I actually got three mil, but it's just, I, I always refer back to Ray Kroc. Do you know who he is? McDonald's. Right, so that little bit grinding it out, 49, alcoholic, field salesman, nothing was going right for him, sitting outside McDonald's, and seeing all these people walking the same, talking the same, and that was the start of what became that huge company. So, look, it's there's no secret to success other than tenacity and all of those things that you need to. But turning up and doing the work is is crucial for anything. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, I mean, I think that that gives us a good place to start, yeah. just because it's interesting. Um, it's, and I think that also then takes us into one of the areas I want to look at. Like you're big on personal development. Sure. I'm big on personal development. A lot of people think it's for people who need help or, you know, I've got nothing wrong. I don't need help. Um, so I'd like to look at the stigma that can exist around that area of the bookshop, even though it's not a book anymore, and your views on how to find those tools, use those tools. Because, I mean, for a lot of people do get it, but a lot of other people, they just wouldn't be seen dead holding a book like that or admitting they, you know, going to a seminar or whatever. So I think that, that can be interesting. Um, but what are the things that you want to bring in? Because I've seen from LinkedIn and stuff, you know, you've got a lot of other things going on, both on the MS and everything else. So what are the particular, any particular areas you want to bring in? In, in our conversation? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're looking at 40 to 60 minutes, basically. No, no hard start so, or end. So, no, look, I, I'm, I'll give you a 60-second a, a snapshot of where, what I hope to do in the next sort of... Um, I'm organizing my first big event, Be the Change, in September, so I'd like to mention that. Okay. Uh, that's going to be really interesting. Uh, and I'm starting that event in Northern Ireland, but my plans for that are quite big over the next number of years. Um, I'm working really hard at my conventional business, um, which I've been working at actually for eight years, so I mean, there's no secret to success there. That's been hard going. But I can see the end and the light now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm working really hard at that. So on LinkedIn, it's interesting. You can touch on this. I've been trying to figure out all the different platforms. So the Connor Devine LinkedIn is different from the Instagram LinkedIn or Instagram Connor Devine, yeah. and then 
Facebook, I've sort of, I'm not really on that too much. I, I, I go to Twitter for news and I'm just, I'm just sort of watching and brand building um, on, on, on different levels and using the platforms, um, trying to figure out the platforms, who's on the platforms. I think LinkedIn is an incredible business too at the moment. Yeah. And I think it's underutilized and I think it's underpriced. And I mean, it's nearly free. So I think as a business person and anybody interested in brand building, I can see Rich Roll and a lot of these guys, Gary V's hamming the life out of LinkedIn at the moment. Yeah. So look, the, the thing about life at the moment, there's so much noise going on out there. There's so many people looking for your attention. And it's trying to figure out, well, how can I fit in? How can I add value? You know, that's, yeah. what it's, that's what we all need to be asking ourselves every day. And, and that all really comes then back to what we'll get into, which is personal development. So I have huge thoughts and ideas around, you know, people as individuals and their companies. And are you doing something that you really love? I really admire what, what you guys are doing and stuff. And I'm hoping... I was. Yeah, I'm hoping to jump into... You know, I'm really interested in, in, in Herbalife and the story of Herbalife and Mark Jones, the guy who created that massive company. Yeah. But, but how come nobody knows that Mark Jones took his own life? Nobody even knows who Mark Jones is. Yeah. And Mark, Mark Jones created one of the biggest health companies in the world. You could argue whether it's healthy or not to take supplements. But I just, I like filling in the, the blanks on things. Yeah. Lifting the bonnet to see, you know, well, why was Herbalife so successful? So I watched Netflix. I listened to podcasts. And all of that stuff, Warren, I'm just trying, I'm really personally at the moment pursuing excellence in anything that grabs my attention. The only thing that I'm not, and the thing that I'm really, I would love to train harder and train more often yeah. my body, but because my business is, I'm being a single parent, which I'm happy to talk about, because that's eaten up a lot of my time, I've now got, I've now sort of, I've got my own sort of routine you know, what sort of works for me. Yeah. So, no, I am, I am doing lots of stuff at the moment, but I'm very, very um, particular about my time and, and who I spend it with and what I do with it because I don't have a lot of it. I'm just making some notes on this because... Uh, I like to talk about sleep as well and Matthew Walker's book, The Way You Sleep. I have to read that book. You are about the... I, I have a threshold. On, well, we'll come to this, actually. You should try and get him on the podcast. I mean, I, I've never seen him... Um, actually engaging with people but his name he he seems to be doing his name's getting about there's a lot of people talking about him that that book keeps coming up and, I, and it's one of those ones that i look at and i get recommended it by people who i respect and who i know you know are on their own journeys but i've looked at it and i'm just not interested maybe because i did a story i, you know, I researched sleep when i was a journalist i did some stuff on that it doesn't make me the world expert but it just doesn't get close enough i'm a bit more focused on business at the moment Anyway, mm -hmm. yeah. with books like that, I got a threshold and it seems to be at about four or five recommendations. It's like, fuck it, it doesn't matter whether it's the right time to read it, it's time to read it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So that's it, that'll be the next one on my Kindle. Yeah, no, no, it, it's only you, you are like number four or five in about three months. A lot of people have actually come back to say, yeah, yeah I've heard about it and I'm going to get so No, but look, there's, there's, it's life's, it's just all noise. Um, so much going on. We haven't even talked about Brexit. I've lots of thoughts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a whole other can of worms. And the, I mean, what I'd like to do actually for a, a quick starter, and we'll keep this condensed. You know, you've done it before, five minutes or so. Just a quick intro on your background, DMS, the sport, the thing. So I think that we're primarily dealing with a sporting audience here, albeit 
all we're interested in doing with this is bringing, giving people tools to live the best life, right? So that's both sport and opening your mind to other stuff. But by coming in on the sport ramp and the MS and the nutrition, we've got people. Then we can go broader. So is, is that all right with you? We'll do a quick intro on that. That establishes it and we'll shift on to the other stuff quick as we can. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, look, I'll, I'll film the intro separately. Um, so we don't have to go through doing that now. So if I've just got my notes handy here, um, let's kick off. Move a few things around. I've got a tiny computer here with too many windows open. Um, so Connor, thank you for making the time this evening to uh, let me come and join you in the lounge there. Excellent. Yes, indeed. You're you're now in my studio. Welcome to my studio. Yep. All good. Oh, you see, we've got the posh studio here as well with this <laughs> giant banner behind me. That's that's the whole thing. Um, I think to uh, to start at, at the beginning, that we met uh, originally. It was through uh, Luke Tabersky, wasn't he? The, you were helping host his film in Belfast. That's how we first connected. Or maybe it was before that when you were training with Luke and looking at nutrition, but it was in that early stage, wasn't it? Well, I think so. I think it was Luke, Luke's sort of work that introduced me actually to the product, and I started buying and using the product, because at that time, I think it was maybe four years ago, I was really starting out to do triathlons, and I was getting into the Ironman stuff, and I was looking for something to fuel me during the races. So I definitely was taking the product, but it was through Luke's introduction, and then obviously I hosted Luke and yourselves in Belfast. We did the screening of the documentary, and I think we've been chatting a few times since. So yeah, maybe three or four years now. Yeah, it's been it, it's flying by. But the um, to anyone who who's coming fresh to this, well, clearly they they can understand someone getting into triathlon and Ironman. Um, but you weren't exactly coming at it from an average position, were you? Can you just give us a quick rundown on? Um, what have brought you to that point and the, the key changes in your life that, that have got you to there? Yeah, so for those that don't know me, I'm 41 years old, living in Belfast in, in Northern Ireland. And for the first 28 years of my life, I lived a pretty normal life. I've always, someone, I've always been someone who, who wanted to do well for myself. Um, and I sort of uh, immersed myself in sport for about... 20 odd years. I started playing football at about five or six years of age. I, uh, over the next sort of 20 odd years, I, I was very good at a lot of the sports that I played. Played semi professional football in Ireland for maybe 10 odd years. Um, at 28 years of age, my, my life changed, which was actually about 13 years ago. Um, I went on holiday. I got sick one day, and over the, over the next 12 months, I was really, really ill. So the football stopped, the work stopped. Um, pretty much my life stopped and nearly 12 months to the day that I got sick originally I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis which is a very nasty neurological condition and that was whenever I talk about this I'd say, I, I'd say to people that's whenever I hit my wall I believe in life people hit a number of walls and for me I got away pretty easy enough to be 28 and then I hit my wall in Mauritius and over the last 13 years then, I've been on this crazy, difficult, painful journey of recovery, um, a journey of healing, where I am tonight, which is talking to you on the podcast in um, 
with relative good health and strength and probably a completely different person to the person that I used to be maybe 12 or 13 years ago. So it's been a hell of a ride. One, one hell of a ride. Now, you, you've, uh, you've touched on the, the multiple sclerosis diagnosis. You've also clearly, I, there's a quote from, uh, that I love from you, which is, uh, I am winning my war. And you talk about everyone flatly out hitting walls. You hit yours. You climbed over it. But you've made it sound fairly straightforward. I, I think we can safely say that it was anything but, and that you were faced with more of a mountain than a wall. The the diagnosis was, if I remember rightly, like this is you for the rest of your life. Um, kind of your life as you knew it is gone, particularly in terms of maybe physical activity and other things. And by the way, you you need to take a lot of drugs and, and keep doing so. And that from what I've seen was something that drove you in a direction to, to maybe not accept that and look for something better. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Or, or even, you know, I mean, that, that's, well, say, that's my view looking out from in. Tell us about that. Well, I think, I mean, looking back on it 13 years ago, I can remember as if it were yesterday sitting in the neurologist's office in 20, 2007 where he said, you've got MS. Um, you're probably going to uh, not be able to play sport again. You're probably going to have to get a new job um, and you're going to be on drugs for the rest of your life. And I suppose, you know, you're looking and, and someone I'm talking to you now in, in really good health um, and really good spirits. But at that time, um, my whole world had sort of come to an end. So particularly in the first 12 months and then the following three years, I mean, I was really struggling. I talk about this in, in my two books that I've written and on my website, my blogs and all my stuff. I mean, I, I, I really struggled for years and, and many years to, number one, deal and come to under, uh, understand the diagnosis, accept the diagnosis. And you get through the five stages of grief whenever you're diagnosed with any kind of illness. And it's a massive dream stealer. You know, I was 28 years of age, had my whole life in front of me. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this this illness comes along and knocks the stuffing out of you. But um Looking back now, around about 2010, 2011, I mean, I, I just think that in life, all of us need hope. You know, if you don't have any hope in life, you've, you've nothing, ultimately. And I, I, I didn't know at the time, but I was looking for some hope, and I couldn't find anybody in Ireland or the UK to give me any kind of hope because multiple sclerosis is a very negative condition. It's a very difficult condition. And Warren, I couldn't really find anyone at all in the world who seemed to be living well with MS. So... I, I certainly felt as if I was pigeonholed to deteriorate. Um, and like, for example, if you go on to any of the multiple sclerosis websites, 25% of the people diagnosed are in wheelchairs within the first 10 years. And I was sitting thinking, you know, I'm 28 now, so by the time I'm 38, and I'm talking to you and I'm 41, you know, by the time I'm 38, I'm, I could be in a wheelchair. So it it's not easy to to try and process that kind of information. And, and I think at that time I went through it probably several nervous breakdowns, several breakdowns. My mental health was poor. My physical condition was quite poor because I had lots of symptoms with the MS. So, um, but around about 2010, I, I actually found someone, a guy called Montel Williams, who is a very uh, famous entrepreneur in New York. And I started reading this guy's books and I started doing some research on him. And this was a guy who had MS, who had his own business, who was training in the gym. 
And he really spurred me on then and reignited the flame in my heart, which was to start fighting back, start to take back control of myself, my mind, of the illness. And I think from about 2010-11, Warren, I have been in, on a constant upward trajectory as opposed to a downward trajectory, which is manifesting in the person who's talking to you tonight, which that's, is ongoing, I have to say. That, that's amazing on, on two counts, that, well, well, many, but the first one that stands out to me there is that you can see you need hope. You can see retrospectively you were looking for it, but it wasn't there. The medical profession was not able to give you hope. It was able to give you statistics, averages, drugs, treatment, palliative, or well, palliative, not palliative care, but you, you, would, you would have the ability to manage your decline. You would not have the ability to avoid your decline. You're looking for hope. You can't find it. One piece of evidence comes out, Montel Williams, in, in your search, and clearly that was a, you know, you're not a guy to take things easily. I don't believe you were half-hearted in looking for your hope. Yet, how hard was it to listen to the one positive story you could find against the two or three years of endless, you know, negative, slow decline that you were supposed to be facing? How, how hard was it to go, no, this is the one I'm going to believe and, and hang your hat on that? I think, I think ultimately in my DNA, in my DNA I'm, I'm a competitive person. I think I, I, I've... A lot of the characteristics that I have as a person were developed on the, on the playground as a young boy playing sport and in the team environment, in the changing room, whenever you're losing a game and you're coming back uh, and you're trying to win and there's camaraderie and there's spirit and determination. And that's why I encourage a lot. I, I, I do a lot of speaking. I love speaking in schools. Um, I spoke to over a couple of thousand kids before Christmas and I share with people, you know, I encourage people to engage in sport and play sport because... A lot of those characteristics, whenever I was diagnosed for the, the first three or four years, had died in me. And whenever I got the glimmer of hope through Montel's story of recovery, which then led me to try and find other people, like, for example, Mark Pollock, um, who's from Northern Ireland as well, the blind adventurer who's also paralyzed. I then found guys like Nick Vucevic, and I started to look for people, Warren, in the world who were dealt a bad card in life but had accepted that and not only accepted, had started their own process of recovery. And the more I looked, the more I found. And as I was finding more and more and more people, that gave me the strength and the energy to start my own comeback. So it's, I mean, if I hadn't have found Montel that time, who knows, you know, how long it would have been that I would have went on and found someone else to inspire me. But um, I certainly do believe that I personally believe you don't have to find someone famous, that there's inspirations everywhere, all around us. But I think, you know, people who do inspire people, that certainly triggered my recovery. Um, but I did spend, it's important to say, three or four very, very difficult years of um, suicidal thoughts, missing Christmas dinners, um, really low, lots of pain, lots of symptoms in my body, struggling to walk, um, all sorts of stuff, which may not come across in this interview, but if you do any research on me, it, it, it's not uh, as simple as maybe it looks sometimes on Instagram. Life is never as simple as it looks on Instagram. There's, there's a lot more behind it, which, which we'll come to actually, because that was something we were, we were talking about before we started the recording. But just to, just to um, tie in on the sporting journey, you took hold of your MS, and, and I really want to come back and go into 
the sort of ways and means that you have been built rebuilding yourself um, since then. Um, because I just think that's something that can have so much value to anybody, whether it's for sports performance, life performance, relationship performance, it doesn't matter. You know, optimum performance is kind of optimum performance in our whole lives. It's a holistic thing. And the better you are in one area, well, it's going to spill over into the others as well. But just to tie up on your, your sort of nutritional and sporting side, um, as I understand it and from the conversations we've had, you effectively, you made a switch to a plant-based diet, which, you know, not something everybody has to do, but it can be a good thing. A lot of people have good results and it seemed like yours were beyond good. Um, and you've had a lot of uh, very positive Ironman triathlon results since then. Um, you've pulled off much more than you, know, you were ever supposed to be doing at this point. Um, could you just sort of dig a little into that and, and then maybe finish up with saying, I, I don't know, I'd love to know what your doctors think of it. The, bloke, the people who told you 12 years ago you were on a life, lifeline of drugs and you were going to be in a wheelchair in 12 years. Yeah, so good, good, good to dip into this part of it. Um, okay, so where do you start? There's so many people out there who are willing to give advice on nutrition today, who are willing to tell you what's good for you and what's not good for you. And there's lots of very cool diets at the moment. There's the keto diet, there's the paleo diet, there's the plant-based diet, there's the vegan diet, there's the fucking, I mean, how many more diets is, is there out there? There's hundreds, literally. Here's where I'm at on all of this. Um, once I figured out that Medicine is not designed to, let me start again, right? About 2014, I came across a neurologist in Canada and she actually had MS. And over a 10 year period, she was getting extremely ill and debilitated by the condition. And she was on a lot of conventional drugs right? And to the point where she was in a wheelchair and she decided to stop taking the drugs and start to change her nutrition and to treat her condition with nutrition only. And she decided to, the nutrition that she was put into her body would be nutrition that was complementary to brain health, which is pretty much fruit and vegetables. And this neurologist doctor is called Dr. Terry Walls. So not only did she arrest the decline of her MS, but it stabilized within three months. And over the following 12 months, she was out of her wheelchair and she was walking and then cycling to work. And Dr. Terry Walls' story is all over the internet. It's not a secret, how, right? Uh, sorry, how do we spell and that name? Dr. Terry Walls, did you say? Dr. Terry Walls, it's a female doctor, T-E-R-R-Y-W-A-H-L-S, right? And that really struck a chord with me clearly because I had MS. But this lady who was a neurologist, she was a conventional doctor, medically trained, had decided to stop taking her conventional medication and to only treat her condition with food, right? She's got a TED talk and it's had 19 million views called Minding Your Mitochondria. And whenever I watched Dr. Walls and then I got her book, it stripped all back for me. And what, what has come out of this, because I'm on an ongoing, an ongoing journey of personal development on lots of things, and one of that is nutrition. 
what I what I found out in the last few years at at the centre of most illnesses, all of these diseases are progressed by inflammation. Inflammation seems to be the real problem in the body. And what I was able to find out is that it wouldn't it be a clever thing then if you ate a diet which is pretty much anti-inflammatory. So without getting into uh, complicated matters, all of the science come back, comes back to a plant-based diet being the most anti-inflammatory diet. And for me, as someone who's living with MS, which is driven and, and fueled by inflammation, I needed to take, in my view, meat and dairy and eggs out of my diet because it is high in, uh, it is high in saturated fat and also other products which, which inflame the cellular activity in the body. So that came back to a plant-based diet. So for me, that is ultimately how I arrived. So three years this month, Warren, I have been living, let's call it a plant-based lifestyle because it's actually more than a plant-based diet because, you know, once you change your approach to food, your shopping habits, there's other things that you also then tend to change as well. And that process of recovery and healing is ongoing. Um, which, which has evolved and sort of dominates my household with two young children who are also plant-based. And, and I think only good has come, out of, has come out of that transition because what it has allowed me to do is to stop all form of conventional medication after injecting for nine years. I don't take any medication anymore. Um, I, I live on a, a whole plant-based diet. And, I mean, my health now is the best it's been in the last 13 years of living with MS. So um, it's it's been a, a phenomenal experience for me to transition and to keep progressing now living a plant-based lifestyle. That's incredible because it, it's it's not just you, you you really drew it out well with the uh, – there's a lot of cool diets out there. And uh, let, let's stick with Instagram. Everyone Life always looks better on Instagram. And – there's a lot of cool diets on Instagram as well. And whether it is plant-based or whether it is paleo, whatever it is, we're all an experiment of ourselves, right? And you have taken a path that makes huge logical sense based on a lot of research. Um, I mean, I've followed a similar path myself because I've only found that based on what I've read, it seems to be a good idea both for me and for the planet and it seems to make me faster and recover better so that's great but you're doing it on a much grander scale you followed your own results you're loving the results you're getting you're off the medication it's not that there is one magic diet here there or anywhere but there's a lot of options out there and nutrition plays a huge part in the performance of our lives you've found a brilliant path for you that's delivering above and beyond you know the kind of results you you want and need have you had any feedback from your doctors on this are they even interested or do they see you as an uh, an outlier or or do you not even see them anymore well so, something amazing happened to me a couple of weeks ago uh, i was asked to speak at the plant-based doctors of ireland's first ever conference in dublin hospital and what happened was uh, i went down to the matter hospital in dublin last month and there were 120 people in the room, and 80 of them were, were Irish GPs. Um, and the other 40 were researchers and nutritionists and stuff. And I shared my experience living as a, a, a patient of MS who was living a plant-based lifestyle. And the four other speakers were four other plant-based GPs, Irish GPs, who 
were advocating a plant-based diet to all of their patients. Like, I was blown away, number one, by the, the, the fact there was actually a plant-based doctor's group in Ireland. There's also one in the UK who you should link into and your listeners should look up. They've got Facebook pages and Instagram pages. And they're organizing Dr. Gemma Newman, who you may have seen on Instagram, is, is, yeah. is, is heading this. Um, there's a huge conference uh, in, in April. I was invited to speak at the one in Brighton last month. There's another big one in London in October. But in 2016, I did something which I know was quite brave to do. It was to stop my conventional medication, which was risky at the time and against all of the advice of the doctors, and to go fully plant-based and try and fight this thing using nutrition and exercise. And against all of the advice, I decided to go a different path. And I did that because I had researched this for a number of years and my gut feeling was telling me it was the right thing to do. Three weeks ago, whenever I was speaking to 120 doctors, 120 medical people, 80 doctors, that decision was validated. And it was empowering for me to witness what happened in Ireland and see what's going on across the UK at the moment, which and across America and across the world, which is the explosion of the plant-based narrative. And now we have doctors in Dublin and Belfast who start their consultations with their patients. These are plant-based advocating doctors who, whenever their patient comes in to see them in their medical surgery, they say, hi, Warren, how are you? What did you have for breakfast? And that's how the conversation, and that is an incredible development in a very short space of time. Because what we know is that 70% of our doctors smoke and drink and are overweight. We know that 98% of medical training across the world is still the conventional way. 2% is devoted to nutrition. But since I started this journey, which was really about five years ago, which started with watching Forks Over Knives on Netflix, which then led to the China study, which then led to me watching Food Choices documentary, which got me on to Michael Sibierski's uh, Diet Fiction podcast in the States last month. I mean, all of this is now pointing towards the plant-based lifestyle if you want to live a healthy, happy, good life. So, I mean, the journey's ongoing, but I just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and very enthused, Warren, at the progression of the science getting out into the public domain and actually, by how open people are to the conversation of potentially changing their diet or reducing their levels of meat intake and just a general interest in the health space, which is really what I'm all about at the moment, which is good. Well, um, it, it's so interesting and exciting to hear that GPs are taking up that message because the traditional view of the doctor, you're right, they have a huge number who are, you know, they're not practicing what they preach, they're overweight, they're overworked, you've got to get you in and out in 10 minutes, they've got quotas to hit. And, you know, there's, uh, it's easier to prescribe someone some, some tablets than it is to get them to change what's on their plate. I mean, uh, certainly I've found in my own nutritional journey that people can be they can be as open-minded as you like to so many things in life, but if you start talking about what they eat, not every, a lot of people will just shut right down. That's a very personal topic for, for some people, and I mean, I've learned it needs approaching sensitively, but doctors have a position of power there where people do listen to them, 
And if the doctor tells you to do it, they'll do it. And the traditional view is that doctors are not even considering nutrition because they're not taught it, they're not brought up by it. You know, you can find plenty of information out there explaining how among your, as a doctor, among your peer group, it's just not the done thing to look at nutrition. You look at treatment, you look at pharmaceuticals, you look at surgery, you don't look at nutrition. To hear that sea change coming, I mean, if people thought there was a change in the, you know, the shift of the fast food restaurants on the high street, you know, it's easier than ever to be vegan out of the house. I mean, in, just in the last three years, that's exploded. But for that to be transitioning into GP surgeries at the front line is huge because the potential of nutrition as a tool to change and improve people's lives and performance is massive. It may not yeah, always but, be the only thing, but it's a key part that's been overlooked too long. But I think I think it, it has it has had to become part of the the conversations that we're all having now in, in the workplace and and with our friends and stuff is our health because way too many people are sick. And if you listen to Doctor Zach Bush, who's one of the most interesting guys online at the moment, who recorded two incredible podcasts with Rich Roll. In the 1970s, one in 30,000 American babies were born with autism. By 2030, it's going to be one in 300. And why is this happening? Why is all these children sick? Why have we had an explosion of MS since the 1990s of cancer? Why are we not making progress with disease? Like, why have we not solved? And here's where I'm at in a lot of this. Once I figured out that conventional medicine is designed to manage disease, not induce health, right? I made the switch because I take the view that for a lot of these conditions and diseases like cancer and MS and autoimmune and all that stuff, the conventional guys, they don't even know what causes MS. They, they don't know what causes it. So how are, they know, how are they going to find out what fixes it? You have to figure, you know, if you don't know what the cause is, how can you find a solution? Um, so no, I, I think, I think the conversation is wide and varied, but because there's so many people are sick now, there's, I mean, 40% of children in Ireland at the moment are obese. 40% of children in Ireland, and the UK is, and Ireland are in around the same. I mean, what we need to be building is more hospitals. And unless we approach and change our approach to food, I mean, it's spiraling out of control. The good thing about today is that we now have lots of very influential people who are interested in this discussion. We have lots of doctors who are well-informed and have re-educated themselves, like Dr. Rangan Chattery, the Indian doctor in the UK, who has just written a great book called The Four Pillars. It's a fantastic book. He's a great guy. He's promoting plant-based lifestyle. He's promoting exercise. He's promoting sleep. We've had, we, we have to do all of this because my, my personal view is that, is that we're eating ourselves to death. And if we don't change our approach to all of this, um, it's, it's already way out of control. What's but there's it? just going to be more, more disease in numbers. For anyone who's... Um, I mean, we, we've, uh, we had a, a fairly free-form agenda when we came in here. And uh, we're going... Uh, we've, we've gone deep on the, the nutritional side. Um, for anyone who is listening who's, you know, not either aware of being plant-based or interested in it or really has any interest in in changing what they eat i mean or was even just freaked out by this thinking if i don't get my diet sorted i'm gonna die um what would your advice be to anyone who's just sort of been alerted to this stuff 
and might you know either be freaked out or something and what what would be the the next step what's a sensible way to get some perspective on this because i guess i'm looking for the alternative approach to to the daily mail and the daily express which uh will alternately tell you every day that X is going to give you cancer and the next day that it's not, you know, and we all know how that happens through the media and, and industry narratives, but it doesn't give anyone sensible tools to improve their own life or, or manage, uh, you know, sort out scaremongering from, from the real stuff. Um, so yeah, anything you could pick out of there is just a sensible overview for people to take on this. Yeah. If this is sparking any interest in them for the first time. Well, I think anyone who's actually on this podcast for a start, and I think this goes from most of us want to be healthier and most of us want to be happier. And we all want to reach my ultimate goal, which is contentment. So let's say that those three things are a gimme. Um, what I then say to people is, don't be like me. Because I was coasting through life to 28. I had a good sporting background. I was healthy. Um, and then all of a sudden, bang. I was wiped out with this illness. So what I'm saying to people is don't be like me. Make the change now. Be open-minded. Do the work. Watch Sparks Over Knives. It's on Netflix. It's easy to watch. You know, have a look at this. Have a look at your week, your day, what you're eating. I mean, most people probably now, this is where the, the meat conversation has got to, most people probably now accept that they should reduce their intake of meat. We used to eat meat once a week, most of us. Now we eat it two or three times a day. And that message appears to be getting out there. So I just think I, I, I'm very much against telling people what they should and should not be eating because it's very evangelistic and it switches people off and it's nearly religious. It's not the way to go. But I do ask people, do you want to be healthier? Do you want to be happier? Do you want to be stronger? And if you want to be all of those three things, keep an open mind and take start to take back control. Because I think once you get... You know, somebody said to me in, in, in my 20s, I thought I could do anything. In my 30s, I realized I couldn't. And in my 40s, I tried to figure a way out to, of, of improving things. And I just think you become, I have become very much aware of my own mortality and all of us, and we're, we're a similar age bracket where you, you are, we're all trying to stay alive. And how do we do that? And I think lifestyle is key. So I just, anybody who's interested in it, if they're on this, they're going to be interested anyway. I, the path I would certainly say would be have a look at Forks Over Knives and start to take an interest in your health. It's a fantastic investment. And by taking that interest, I mean, would you also advocate sort of as simple as just how do you feel? How do you sleep? You know, um, how do you feel after a big meal? How do you feel after your breakfast? Uh, how's your energy throughout the day? Are there any sort of key, really simple, you know, like, finger in the wind, just basic markers that people would use to say, well, you know, did this make me feel better or did it make me feel worse, you know, in terms of if they are trying to change up their diet or anything like that, some some kind of simple way of monitoring because so many, um, whereas the whole, you know, the, the biohacking groups and, and so much of the stuff that's online, there's a lot of stuff that maybe you or I would go deep on and find interesting, but not everyone is about to be going getting a full set of blood work every week and certainly no one has the time for it. So, yeah, do you have any suggestions on just simple ways that people can help navigate their own journey and sort of things to be aware of if they are looking to shift things up to improve so, their performance? So the answer to that is no. Um, I, I don't know if there's, there's – I don't know if there's, there's – there's, if we get real about this, if you want to achieve any level of success in your life – 
in any aspect of your life, you have to do the work, right? So this idea where you make a couple of wee tweaks and then you're automatically going to feel a lot better, it's not going to happen. This is my personal experience. I work so hard at my health, at my happiness, at my life. It's every day. And we touched on this before we went live, be it a relationship, be it your financial situation, be it your health, whatever it is you're doing at the moment, you have to knock your pan in to achieve any kind of success. And let's look at the health thing then. So I think out of all of this stuff, a lot of people are lucky enough where they get through their life and they're, they're in a relative form of health. Now, most people I know once they you know, hit 25, 35, 40, you know, you start entering, the older you get, the more problems and challenges come in life. And then I suggest that's whenever you have to work a lot harder at your health. So ask yourself the question, what are you, what are you doing to improve your health? What are you doing to improve your relationship? What are you doing to improve your financial affairs? You know, all of these things can really be answered by three massive questions, right? There's three big questions that I'm now fit to answer and it's taken me to get to 41 years of age to even have the strength and know how to ask myself these three questions. The first question is who are you? Because so many people go through life and all of us are busy. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Doing what? What is it you're doing? Are you happy doing that? Is that what you're passionate about? That's why one of the reasons I admire you guys, what you've done is you're now doing and living your passion. And I know that's not easy. That's hard. That's really hard. But you're going to keep doing the work. So who are you? The next big question is, what do you want? And I don't want to come across as Tony Robbins or even Jelligal, but I'm telling you, if you get to a point in your life where you can ask yourself, the first question is, who are you? The second question is, what do you want? And then you have to write that down. One of the best books I've, I've read and I continue to read is Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. There's 17 principles of success and I read it every year. I've been doing it for nine years. I set goals every year at Christmas. I review the goals every month. It's ongoing. Who are you and what do you want? And then the third question is how are you going to get it? Massive questions. I would suggest most people in my phone I have 5,000 contacts in my phone. Most people on my phone have no interest or idea or knowledge to even ask themselves those three big questions, right? Because we're all so busy. But what I found, Warren, is through personal development, which we touched on, um, I have now got to a sense and a place in my life where I've got incredible clarity. And I now know who I am, what I'm about. I know what I want. I know how I'm going to get it. And I, it's, it's, it's extremely liberating for me coming through all of the noise, which is the illness. You mean you know each other. I've come through a divorce. I have two young children. Um, I'm a single parent. Lots of stuff. But no different to the challenges that lots of other people have in their own lives. But I certainly think, Warren, that if you do the work, you, asked, you started this thread off by saying, have you a couple of tips, simple things where people can make that wee tweak and feel better? And the answer is no. You have to ask you, how much do you want this? How much do you really want it? And that's what led me to doing all of the endurance stuff, which the marathons, the triathlons, the Ironmans. I've done seven Ironmans now, two fulls, five halves. Anything I do, I mean, takes a lot of work. 
I've got my next Ironman race in 12 weeks. I haven't been able to train in four weeks properly. I'm now contemplating deferring, but I, I know in my subconscious that I'm going to be there and I'm, I'm going to complete it because I use affirmations and I visualize me finishing the carpet race in 12 weeks already. So if I was a betting man, I will finish that race. So, but it's ongoing, Warren. Like there's no shortcuts in life, and that's something that I am very certain of. I think it's um, it's something that we we had touched on earlier. The the ongoing showing up and doing the work. But I think um, where what I'd really like to go into here is in the last five minutes we've gone from. Uh, plant-based nutrition, which is something that you know we're both passionate about, but it's not everyone's cup of tea, and it doesn't have to be. Um, even a cup of tea with almond milk in it, or caffeine-free, whatever it may be, you know that's all good. And then you know we, we've we've nipped through. Um, there's been affirmations in there. There's goal setting. There's visualization. Now again, um, I love all of this stuff, and I have a number of. Uh, sort of that, that expression you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with um, you know among that group I have people who are very aware of this stuff and very into it and, and also among that group I have people who just think it's nutcase nonsense for people in sandals under crystals who really you know they're busy they don't have time for it but they're not interested in it you know this whole idea of personal development growth visualizing uh, setting goals who are you I mean I love that drilling it down to the three questions but being able to get to that point is A, incredibly difficult, and B, I think for a lot of people, the idea of personal development is either they're too busy or they're not interested. Um, have you had any pushback from people around you as you've gone down your journey of this that's made it more difficult to go down, or do most people accept it, or do they just go, oh, it's Connor, he's a bit weird? No, so I... I... I was introduced, I was asked around about 2009 when I was really ill to go to a, a conference in Belfast, a business conference, and that morning I wasn't in any mood or form to go to it, but I went anyway. And I ended up, the keynote speaker was someone who's became a great friend of mine, a guy called Bert Jukes, and this guy was incredible. And he talked about personal development. I didn't even know what personal development was at the time, I didn't understand it, and I would have thought of myself as someone who was reasonably well-educated and I had done quite well academically and, and I had a good job at the time even though I was still very sick um, and Bert Jukes introduced me to a guy called Jim Rohn and I mean there's lots of personal development people out there and to be honest it is quite evangelistic and it's not everybody's cup of tea and all of those things but for me I was really taken aback by this guy Jim Rohn because I thought he was very old-fashioned. I thought he talked a lot of sense. And I started watching his stuff, and I started watching more of his stuff, and then I started reading his books, The Twelve Pillars, above all else. I started following this guy called Chris Widener, and that led me on to this journey, which is a journey of ongoing personal development and self-healing and discovery. And here's the thing. I understand and accept that it's not maybe for everyone, but I'm not really concerned about anybody else. And I know now at 41 
what I want to be doing over the next 40 years. And I think all of this comes down to, and I think a lot of life comes down to one word, and it can be all wrapped up in a thing called discipline. And I think if you can become a disciplined person, maybe I'd say it if the personal development space, but I think by becoming disciplined, that is part of personal development. But if you can master this thing called discipline, I really personally believe that you can do anything in life. You can go on and become an Ironman. You can take 33 shake to an IPO. You can change the world, right? Discipline. And I'm someone who pursues excellence. I'm extremely disciplined. Jim Rohn says you'll be the same person in five years apart from the people that you meet and the books that you read. Tomorrow I'm meeting someone for the second time who I find extremely inspirational. I think your listeners and your viewers should go and look him up. And I've mentioned it before. It's a guy called Mark Pollock. Mark is an incredible guy. What's Mark's goal in life at the moment? What's his goal? To cure paralysis. What a mission. He's working with the Christopher Reeve Foundation. He spends six months of the year in New York. He's in robotics. He's trying to cure paralysis. Why am I going to meet him? Because I've made it my purpose at the moment to go and surround myself with people who inspire and motivate and enrich me. So everything that I've spoken about in the last five or six minutes, I don't really care what you call it. But if you're looking to push on in life, make progress in life, develop yourself in life, you have to do things that you're uncomfortable with. You have to be open-minded to change. All part of this is your nutrition. We talked about sleeping when, we, when most of the repairing happens, who you associate with. You know, are you in unhappy relationships? Because there's lots of things that you need to address. But if you can become a person of extreme discipline and of good discipline, then the world's your oyster. It's, uh, it, it feeds into so many different areas, but I think you really hit on that idea. First of all, it's not a selfish thing, but it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And you know, the only life we get to live is ours, and the only time we get to live it is now. So make it what you want. And it, it was a realization for me. It was just an offhand comment a friend made about going to the gym, actually. He was talking about he goes to the gym quite a lot. He had a friend who was less interested. And he said to the friend, let's get a coach. You know, They were away somewhere. Let's get a coach. We'll go to this gym. We'll get trained. The guy said, we don't need a trainer. And he said, well, look at us. We don't exactly look like we want to look, do we? Of course you do. You know, we're not finished. We're not finished in, in our relationships. We're not finished in who we are, what we want to be. You know, we're never, we're always an ongoing work. And yeah, you're right. Call it personal development. Call it what you like. But in that space, it's never been easier than now through uh, stuff that's online, whether it's, you know, Netflix documentaries, whether it's people like Mark Pollock or following people online, whether it's reading books. I mean, uh, Jim Rohn's point about, the, one of the big differences in your life is going to be the books you read. Um, if you feel there's any areas you want to grow, then that there's, there's all the information waiting out there, or, or alternatively, we could go and watch cats on Instagram. We, we do have a choice, and there is some space in the day to fill it with other things. Um, but just quickly, one thing you sparked there also on the paralysis side, um, 
two episodes before this. Uh, we had a guy on, Fred Marini, former uh, professional cyclist, uh, Italian guy. And he has been paralyzed. He was paralyzed from the chest, sort of sternum down, um, twice, because he's recovered twice. Um, and whereas uh, I'm not saying that everyone who has paralysis can simply follow Fred's blueprint and cure themselves, um, like you and your MS, Fred's a medical outlier who defied what he was told and kept going until he found the answer that he wanted and turned up and you know, applied discipline, hard work and focus and all of these things we've been talking about, goal setting, visualization, positive, you know, surrounding himself with positive people, all of those things to overcome it on two occasions. I mean, the story is astonishing and the, the most incredible thing is those two paralyses, they're not related. One was not you know, the second one didn't happen more easily because of the first. They were two separate incidents. So um, I'll happily give you the contacts for him if, if that's someone that would be useful to, uh, you know, add into that discussion there. Yeah, I, I, I met I met a, another incredibly impressive human being a couple of weeks ago, a young guy by the name of Jack Kavanagh. Um, Jack's done a TED Talk. Um, he's just an amazing human being. He's 26 years of age. Um fantastic story and i think the, the thing about life at the moment is there's there's so many people out there i mean we're all we're all sort of you know we've all got our own story you know you've got your story your your, your own life and we've now got this we're living in incredible times where we can find people who can inspire us online we can engage with people we can meet with people i mean it's it's just a fascinating time i think to be alive it's the one thing that I do agree with Gary Vaynerchuk at the moment. He does do. He does say that it is an incredible time to be alive, um, but it's also an incredibly difficult time to be alive because what I know is, I mean, I, I've built uh, a number of businesses in the last eight years, and what that has allowed me to do is that has I've met with hundreds of people, and there's a lot of there's a lot of illness in, out there, there's a lot of depression out there and anxiety, there's a lot of addiction out there. Um, I mean, life's tough. Life is tough, and the wheels do come off. And some of those symptoms manifested themselves, where people can obviously tell there's something up. And and lots of those symptoms, you can't tell if there's something wrong with the person. But I am someone I think who is incredibly in touch with society and humanity, and I understand pain. I understand success, whatever that means. It means different things, to different people, but. What I do know is that there's no way that you're going to achieve any kind of return or, or success in life without doing the work. You have to do the work. And the, and the same as the training, it's not, there is no one thing out there. There is no one piece of nutrition, piece of equipment, training protocol that in a week is going to transform you. All it's going to be is the consistent application of those 1% incremental gains week on week on week and also being able to understand when you're going off course because you've got a clear idea of where you're going. So you can see when you're off course, you can monitor it somehow, you can pull yourself back. Um, but to, uh, to go to something we talked about just at the beginning and I think we'll, uh, we'll make this the last point because uh, I'm, I'm conscious that in the podcast space and I'm still, we're still finding our way with this but um, you know, there's loads more we could do, and I would love to do a, a follow-up episode as well on this because there are so many avenues. But I'm conscious in the podcast space that because there is no time limit, almost they all end up being really long. And people might have podcasts they want to listen to, but 
who's got two hours to go and sit through them all? So they just back up. Um, but to talk about doing the work, uh, to touch on what we said about Instagram being a place where life looks wonderful and it's not necessarily always the case. Um, you were saying that whereas a lot of entrepreneurs or business people, you know, after they have sold their companies or and they look back and go, I miss the process, I love the process, you must love the journey, all that kind of thing. That's something I've certainly heard a lot. But uh, as you were saying, some days the journey is a bastard. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think if you, look at, if you look at a lot of these guys who um, are now, have exited their business, I mean, my motivation isn't, in, in, so I, I'm really passionate about business as well. I'm passionate about employing people. I'm, I'm passionate about making a difference. And I, I, I love engaging with people and making things happen. Right, so, so that's sort of what I really enjoy as well. Um, I'm I'm not in business to make. To, I am in business to make money, but money's not my goal. Um, it's not, uh, and I genuinely I genuinely mean that. But I do understand that you need money to eat, and and I said to myself, I mean, anything I have achieved in life in terms of financial success, I've done it myself, right? Um, but I said to myself when I was 21 or 22, I had no money to buy something one day and I said, I'm never going to be fucking skint again, right? Because there's two things that's really bad that can happen to you. You can become very sick or you can become very poor or both. So I decided, and I've always been someone who wanted to make my own money because there's another thing that I didn't touch on, but discipline is one thing, but there's another key to any successful person in my view is to become incredibly self-reliant. I depend on nobody for anything, right? And once you become self-reliant, it's up to you. And I had to become self-reliant because whenever my neurologist told me I had MS and that nothing was going to fix me and that he couldn't fix me and my parents couldn't fix me, medication couldn't fix me, I had to take ownership of the condition. So, I mean, I just I just think that it's success, um, business, Becoming self-sufficient, discipline, it, it, it all boils down to what you want out of life. Um, so maybe going a bit off track there, but that's a couple of things I wanted to say on that. No, that, that's, that's really, it, it helps put it in perspective, but it also, I think it can be easy for, sport is a little more binary in some respects where, you know, you, you have a good chance, you put in the work, you will, you will achieve the result subject to something, you know, getting hit by a car or, or something weird happening along the way. Um, and other elements of business and life are not quite as black and white. The finish line is not as clearly defined. The process is not as well laid out. Um, you may do all the right things and still get a different result. And as we were talking about earlier, whereas as you build your business and your life, there can be huge highs because the satisfaction of you know really being able to positively impact people's lives through something you're doing, you know, both through employing people, but also through, you know, helping them with the things that your business does or whatever it may be. That's a great high. But there are some days when climbing that mountain, you know, when, when you're, when you're building the business, you're climbing that mountain. There are some hard days, which are worse than the days when you turn up training and don't feel like it, you know, but you, well, 
I've found you have to apply the same discipline because it's one foot in front of the other. You know, ultramarathon, Ironman, whatever it is, there is a time when you are not going to want to be in that race, but you still yeah. want the finish and you put everything in. One foot in front of the other. And those are the, the show up and, and just keep going days and eventually, you know, this too shall pass and all, all that sort of thing. And it, it always does. How do you approach those those harder days in, in life and business or, or even in sport? Because it's, it's there's, I think there's this misconception out there, particularly on LinkedIn. I'm, 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 I'm a fighter. Um, um, I think I'm a winner. Um, I enjoy uh, the fight, the battle. I'm competitive. I told you, but I got that from, I was a young boy in the sporting playground. I always wanted to play for Man United, didn't quite get there. Um, but you don't have to own your own business. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. And it's actually not for everyone. Everybody can't be Wayne Rooney. Everybody can't be Conor McGregor. Everybody can't be Conor Devine. Everybody can't be Warren. You have to find contentment within yourself. There's nothing wrong with working and being an employee in a big company or a small business. There's nothing wrong with that. What you should try and do is ask yourself the question, what value am I adding to society, to my company, to my relationships? But you don't have to own them all. And this is a misconception where I think people who just don't want to own their own business, don't need the hassle, are not interested and it might feel a little bit overwhelmed with all of this crap where people are saying about they own their own business, they're employing thousands of people and they're going to be a multi-millionaire. It doesn't make you a better person. It really doesn't. Some of us have different personalities, right? You could be the quietest person in the classroom and you could be the most successful person in the world. You could have the happiest life. You could be the healthiest. It's all very personal. So I just think that's important to say. That, and this is why I do say to people, you know, I have lots of friends who talk about success and being successful and all this. What does that even mean? It's no good to you if you're diagnosed with terminal cancer tomorrow and you have a month to live. End of story. And for me, success ultimately is arriving at a place of contentment in my life. I'm striving towards, which will be a place where I'm in great health, where I can grow up and, and continue to sort of add value to the two children and to train with them, exercise with them, obviously have enough money to keep me going. But I just think, Warren, people are lost in life in general. And this is where the personal development, if you give it a go, any of your listeners, go and read Think and Grow Rich. Read Grinding It Out by Ray Kroc. Read about people who are going through lots of pain at the moment. Go and find them on the internet. You know, seek the energy from them. I think that's life's about growing. It's, it, you don't have to confine to some form of successful robot. Um, I think a lot of that's lost in people at the moment, which is why I think a lot of people actually fall off track and self-medicate through alcohol and gambling and sex and pornography. That's an area we haven't went into. But I know lots of people. I'm, I'm happy that I've been able to get things back together again. I came through a very difficult um, divorce and, uh, with my, my ex-wife. My family was... Life was, was very difficult for a number of years. You know, I'm a single parent, like all of that stuff. And I think people should be commended simply by keeping control of their mind and by trying to improve their lives every day. I think that's an amazing achievement. If you only do that, I think it's an amazing achievement. I really do. I, I think that that brings us full circle really nicely because the 
the journey that you have been on with your nutrition, the journey you've been on with your life and your sport, the journey you've been on with your business and with your personal development and the, the way you're paying a lot of that back now as well, comes down to everything you've just been talking about at the end there, which is there is no ideal diet, there is no ideal lifestyle, there is no ideal business, there's no ideal job. And it, you, you said it, and I see I'm not bothered about anyone else. That doesn't mean you don't care about them, but in terms of the people, you know, you're living your life, you're building your life. So take control of that, take ownership of that, and you know, find out where you want to iron out the kinks. Find out if you don't know who you are or where you want to go or what you want to do, well, maybe go and start looking at it. Maybe go and read some books. You know, try a bit of personal development, try a bit of dietary change, try a bit of mixing up your training or whatever it is, but find where you want to go and build that because all the tools are out there but you have to be the one driving the bus and you have to do the work yeah there is that too showing up every day when that 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 i think is is one of the best disciplines you ever get out of training though right none of it happens overnight but what do you know if you keep showing up the curve only goes one way yeah if it, it's it's i i i know we're closing soon but i met someone who has been hugely successful in business the other day. And I says, how are you doing? He says, I'm 18 years sober tomorrow. And he says, that's fucking amazing. And to be honest with you, um, because I've had a health scare and because I witnessed um, a lot of health problems and family and stuff, it ultimately a lot of it comes back to, to your health. And it's an old saying, if you have your health, you have everything. And don't take it for granted. And that's why I do say to people is don't be like me. Make some changes now. You know, if you're in relative health, what could you do to be a bit healthier, a bit happier? And that's why personal development will supplement a lot of this stuff and will navigate and help you find the right path. But it's an ongoing journey of discovery and it's an ongoing journey for me anyway of healing. So. All right. So thank you for sharing so much of that journey. Now, I would love to do another one of these with you because I know there's so many other elements we can go down and um, I look forward to uh, I think we'll be over in Belfast certainly over the next couple of months so uh, if we are it'd be great to catch up with you then Excellent no look thanks for your time it's good to be back speaking to you again and uh, I will see you soon sir You certainly will now just one last thing we want to check out we're going to put all these in the links where are the best places for people to uh, come and find you should it be should they be uh, linkedin instagram facebook where are you, where are your preferred places these days all of the above um doing a lot of my health and lifestyle stuff on instagram at the moment i'm having a bit of fun with that um you'll probably see a different person on linkedin but i think linkedin's becoming a wee bit like facebook so i'm, I'm trying to get more personal stuff on there um because i'm probably going to transition out of my conventional business in the next 24 36 months into more health lifestyle which we sort of haven't got into in the podcast but no i'm on all the platforms my website is connordevine.com and um I'm, I'm i'm well covered on on them all twitter as well so you and, can and, me and, and your two books yeah my two books and, and do engage feel free to get in touch with me there's more people getting in touch with me now i get a lot out of that I'm, I'm engaged with a lot of people most days on different platforms so um that's something that I'm really interested in developing as well. So happy to engage. Connor, really, really a pleasure catching up. Uh, certainly 
gives me a lot of uh, inspiration and, and fight. And thank you for making the time tonight. My pleasure. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Connor Devine. Um, I had a ball uh, with that. feel like I learned so much, gained so much. I hope you guys really did as well. Because, frankly, that's what everything we do at 33 is about. It's about giving you the tools, the content, the information to be able to live the best possible life you can, to be the best you want to be, to be everything you want to be. It's sport, in life, in business, whatever it is. Um, and we do that through sharing great conversations like this, through bringing people like Connor to a broader audience. But also, we do it in store at 33shake.com with the best possible nutrition for your performance. So uh, yeah, if you're looking for something for your next race um, or for your next training session, whatever it may be, why not check it out? You'll find all our stuff at 33shake.com. Um, also, all of the various bits and pieces that we mentioned during the show, uh, there'll be links below so you can catch up with Connor and get on with some of the resources he mentioned. Um, and of course, if you want to contact any of us at 33shake.com, we love hearing from you. Drop us a note in the contents below. Or why not hit us up on any of the social channels? Again, all of the links they're all in the show notes. So look, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Look forward to another one. All right. Cheers.